This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, this is Matt. Kose. Mark. Ian. James. Mel. Zach. This is David. This is PSG Talking. Le seul podcast sur le PSG en anglais. Hello listeners, welcome back to another episode of PSG Talking. My name is Ed as always, and I'm joined today, special guest, Jonathan Johnson, ESPN writer, covers all things French football and PSG. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Hey, good, thanks. Thanks for having me back on. How are you? I'm doing well. Surviving the uh, coronavirus over there is everything... It's a little bit hectic. We're recording this, we should say, on Friday um, after the news about League On, which we'll talk about, the Champions League, which we'll also talk about, but a lot of news today, but hanging in there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, not, not as bad as, uh, as it seems to be in other places, certainly not as bad as it is in Italy, for example. Yeah, really scary scenes out of Italy. Um, well, we want to talk about League On. Um, we learned this morning that the league is going to be postponed. Um, there's no date unless you have other information, but there's no date that's been set for when play will resume. So I want to know from you, like, what is your initial reaction to that news? And do you think the LFP, um, do you think that they will finish the season or will they just say PSG crown champions and will they start new next season? Well, I mean, at the moment it's, it's indefinite. So I think, uh, you know, the French authorities will monitor uh, the situation over the, over the, over the next few weeks. Uh, and then decide when they feel is a suitable date to, to try to resume if if there's going to be any resumption at all. I mean, I, I don't have too much fear at this moment in time that the league will finish. I think that it will. Uh, the thing that I think is probably going to be most affected logically uh, would be stuff like uh, this summer's uh, Euros. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're going to have to wait and see what UEFA say on that matter. Um, but uh, the LFP have come out and said that they're waiting to basically see what UEFA say as well. So they're going to reconvene after uh, UEFA's um, meeting, which I think is next Tuesday. Then mm-hmm. uh, you know we should we should have a better idea. But I mean, you just look at PSG's uh, statement that came out a couple of hours ago. Uh, you know the players aren't going to be training now. Uh, you know at least until the end of the week. Uh, you know and probably not uh, until closer towards the end of the month as well. So that suggests that, you know, a return to action is not going to be, uh, you know, on the horizon anytime soon. Do you get the sense that, like, will there be any buildup? Because these players are not training. They're going to be sitting around, you know, eating, doing whatever it is they're going to do. Not really training as professional athletes. Like, there needs to be some kind of buildup. You can't just say, okay, Champions League, you know, quarterfinals and go. And just expect the players to perform at a high level. There needs to be some kind of buildup, um, and and obviously postponing the Euros till maybe next year and having the summer to play out some of these tournaments would be ideal. Uh, but we won't know till next Tuesday. So it's uh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Also, I think that's part of the reason why PSG have said no more training this week, and then we'll see what happens next week. Because depending on when they can potentially resume action, they're going to need the players in reasonably good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it is possible for the players to keep themselves fit at home doing exercise and stuff like that. But obviously, uh, you know, that's no substitute for actual, uh, you know, match fitness. So. Uh, I think it's because it, the situation seems to be evolving, you know, every every couple of hours. And, 
you know, it, it changes very, very quickly in this current climate. And I think that, you know, there's a lot more um, to come re regarding this topic. And it's, it's literally just going to have to be a, a question of playing it by ear. Um, and, you know, after that, yeah, I mean, depending on how long the players are out of action, uh, there's going to have to be some questions asked about whether the players need, uh, you know, a few matches to sort of get back into the swing of things before they, they get back into co to competitive games. So, you know, sort of like a, a shortened pre-season, that kind of thing. Uh, but these are all questions that uh, the LFP and uh, UEFA as well are going to have to be asking themselves over the over the next few days. I was probably thinking about myself a little bit too much. Like, I know if I didn't have to work, I'd definitely just be sitting on the sofa eating chips or something all day. But I forget these guys probably have treadmills in their house, so yeah, they'll be they'll be fully fit. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Champions League, and so that's what I want to talk about next. The big win last Wednesday, beat Dortmund two 0 advanced three two on aggregate. I, just in general, I was just curious, were you at the game? Were you outside the stadium? How did you take in the match on Wednesday? Uh, no, I wasn't at the game. Uh, it was uh, only the main rights holders uh, as chosen by UEFA. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I wasn't there uh, at the stadium. Uh, and I elected to watch it from home in the end. It's, you know, it's quite difficult to sort of uh, you know, be able to talk about a match that you can't see if you're standing outside the outside the stadium. So obviously, uh, you know, it was great that, that PSG had the support of the fans uh, outside the stadium. The fans felt that committed to, uh, you know, to go and risk, uh, you know, mm -hmm. potentially falling ill, uh, to go and back the team and, and, and give them some sense of uh, of home advantage. And uh, you know, ultimately they ultimately they got the results. I mean, unfortunately, uh, it feels like it's very in keeping with. Uh, uh, you know, sort of PSG's uh, history, particularly recent history. Uh, you know that it would happen that they finally get to the the quarterfinals, and then this this sort of thing happens, and uh, and and the uh, the competition understandably has to ground to a halt. Yeah, PSG are kind of unlucky, and that's why I'm very superstitious when it comes to this team. I mean, we had Mbappe was actually tested for coronavirus; he was ill before the match, and it's just like. What else could go wrong? And then they finally qualify, and then this happens. And it's just one one thing after another. Um, but glad you were able to watch the game from home. What did you make of that decision to allow the fans, the ultras, to kind of congregate outside the stadium? It provided great atmosphere. They were launching fireworks and, and flares, and they were singing. It was great. But it later came out that the, the club wanted to put a television screen outside, and they were told no because that would attract more people. But just in general, what did you – did you agree with that decision to allow so many people? Because it, it kind of got out of hand a little bit there at the end. I don't think that the authorities realized how many people would, would turn up. Uh, I think that's that's probably why they were caught out. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, whether it was the right decision or not, it happened, uh, you know, it went ahead. Uh, I think it was the right decision to not allow the big screens to be put up. I was mm -hmm. surprised mm -hmm. that, that PSG would perhaps think that, you know, they might be able to to get that done but then again considering that the ultras have already been granted uh you know the ability to, to sort of congregate outside the stadium uh you know i, I think i can understand why they would have, have tried their luck um but yeah i mean it was i you know i think it, i think it was it was great obviously for the team um you know i saw i wouldn't say similar scenes but you know i saw uh, images of uh, valencia fans uh, lining the lining the streets ahead of their game against Atalanta the night before, uh, obviously it didn't work in their favour. Uh, but you know, I I think it's very very difficult to be able to stop 
football fans from you know doing what they love you know this is their livelihood um and for such a big match to go ahead and be played uh you know i think it it was always going to be very difficult to, to to keep the fans away yeah i think if you would have pulled every one of those fans that were there and you said there's a chance you might get coronavirus uh, or watch PSG win. I think they would choose PSG. I mean, that might be kind of not the greatest mentality, but like you said, this is their livelihood. This is what they live for. They love the club. So that's why they were there. But if you had to guess, how many people do you think were there? Well over a thousand, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I saw the number 3000, uh, you know, around. So, you know, I, safely sort of in and around that uh that figure i think and that wouldn't have broken the 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 ban of gatherings of a thousand people because it was like outside right yeah it was in a you know quite a well aerated space so it, uh, it doesn't come under the same sort of jurisdiction that was in action at the time but then obviously a lot of stuff has uh has changed now the last couple of days as well absolutely so let's go let's go inside the stadium a little bit what do you think was more important to PSG's win? Was it the mental toughness? Um, they really had like a blue collar, really workmanlike uh, attitude throughout that whole entire match. Um, so you think it was that mental toughness, that wanting to get over this hump in the Champions League? Or do you think Tuchel just absolutely got the tactics right and he put the team in a perfect position or maybe a combination of both? Yeah, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. You know, I think it was Tuchel getting the the tactics right. Credit to him for that. Uh, you know, I think it was also a very concentrated PSG performance. So credit to the players as well. Uh, but I also think that you know it might not be the most popular of opinions. Uh, obviously, we know what PSG fans can bring when they're inside the stadium. But I think the fact that the stadium it was you know as a match behind closed doors and the stadium was empty, uh, you know, I think that aided the the concentration levels. Uh, you know, and that's why. It was it was a very very interesting affair. You know, as a as a curious match to watch because we don't see that many games being played behind closed doors. You know, so the you're able to scrutinise sort of the players' movement, communication a lot more uh, than you would not you would be able to do sort of during a match when you've got so much going on because of the crowd. Uh, you know, there's a lot of noise, a lot of distractions. Uh, you, you know, you could sorry, you could really hear like Marquinhos. You you mentioned communicating. I mean, you could hear him just barking out commands to his teammates. And I wonder if being able to hear him calling out, "Go here, there, press, whatever." I wonder if that really played a, a major role in this win. Yeah, it seems. Uh, you know, it seemed to definitely play a part. You know, I think the communication was very clear. The communication between the bench and the players was also mm -hmm. uh, good. You know, there was a lot of shouting in Neymar's direction earlier in the match. Uh, you know, about getting his sort of positioning right and, you know, telling him to track back and that sort of stuff. So, you know, it was it was a very, very interesting, uh, you know, game to game to observe uh, in a very strange uh, set of circumstances. I won't be able to see a, a match behind closed doors, at least not for the time being in Ligue 1 because of the uh, because of the suspension of the league. Uh, you know, but perhaps before the end of the season, I'll be able to see a match behind closed doors uh, in the flesh. We will, we will see. But uh, you know, I think overall it was a combination of factors that, that contributed towards PSG. You know, getting the result, getting the job done, and, and finally making it back into the quarterfinals for the first time since 2016. Do you also credit maybe Dortmund's just complete <laughs> failure to show up really in this game, especially Halan, who? just after scoring a brace in the first match, I mean, he just kind of disappeared in this game. Do you think that was a lot of what PSG were doing or was the moment too big for Dortmund? I mean, Halan even said after the game he needed his fans. It wasn't an excuse, but do, do you think just the weird atmosphere played with their mindset a little bit? 
I think it. I, th- I think it probably did, and I think it would have done for PSG as well if they played behind closed doors away from home. Uh, you know, obviously, it kind of felt a bit like being at home for PSG with the the, the fans greeting before they played, and then the, the fans being outside the stadium the whole time. Um, you know, but uh, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say it's you know all down to Haaland not performing that Dortmund didn't go through. Uh, you know, Dortmund's are not the best team on the road, uh, you know, so I think they were always going to find it difficult to, away at PSG. Uh, you know, and PSG knew exactly what they had to do and there weren't any distractions for them. So they, you know, like I said, they were able to put in a very concentrated, very measured performance. Uh, you know, they, they got the right result. Sure, it was made a bit easier by the fact that Dortmund, uh, you know, were, were not at their best and they certainly weren't playing as intense a style as we saw in the in the opening leg. Uh, you know, but, you know, I think PSG also, uh, you know, stopped them from, uh, you know, from being able to pose too many threats, uh, you know, and limiting their, their amount of chances to, to pinch an away goal. <clears throat> so what does this mean for PSG in the broad sense? I, I had mentioned on one of our other shows that it seemed like when you saw the players celebrating with the fans, it was kind of like finally these two coming together. You know, the players performed the way that the fans wanted and the fans gave everything. And it just it was a beautiful picture, especially the one with Di Maria just on the balcony there celebrating. And it just seemed like this club has finally come together. We remember early in the season where the the, the fans were kind of getting on Neymar. And even recently after the loss to Dortmund, the fans were getting upset with um, Neymar and Mbappe specifically. So what does this win mean for PSG and the broad sense in that terms and then also do you think that they've shed this kind of chokers label just reaching this stage and 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 it's it was a come from behind win with variety suspended munier suspended tiago silva was not even in the squad so do you think they've finally shed that label yeah i mean a lot of uh you know a lot of about the results and the performance was impressive uh and you know i do think it's a it's a big moment you could see that it was a cathartic moment for the players you know there's real outpouring of joy uh you know relief um and you know yeah in terms of you know tangible evidence psg are back to where they've been before uh you know under uh, under the qataris they're back in the quarterfinals uh you know and regardless now of what happens with the with the champions league between now and the end of the season uh, you know, they nobody can take away from the fact that you know they have made it, you know, back to the quarterfinals for the for the first time since 2016. It'll be a shame if they if they don't get a, a shot at perhaps making the semis or the you know or going on better and getting to the final. But uh, you know, it's it's just a shame the the whole situation that's sort of led to led to this happening. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen? There's been I think it was Lakeep had something about maybe it could be like. A tournament where like one game and you advance or maybe these games will be played in a arena or stadium where it's not as you know infected with the coronavirus if they have to finish out the champions league what do you think is the best method to do that i don't really know if there's a if there's a best method for it because no matter what happens now this edition of the champions league is never going to be the same um and for that reason that I think unfortunately for whoever might end up winning it assuming that it continues there there is always going to be sort of that that but when when people look at it in uh, in, in in years to come they're going to say oh yeah that was the year that everything was was disrupted with the with the coronavirus it doesn't really count as a title uh, you know so we'll have to see what UEFA decide there 
Um, so that means PSG is definitely going to win. If it's if any team's going to win uh, Asterix uh, Champions League, it's going to be PSG. Because <laughs> that way people can say they didn't really win it. You know, feel set up for that. Um, but also, I you know I think speaking to uh, solely from a PSG perspective. Uh, you know, a one-off sort of one-legged affair uh, or one-legged affairs between now and the end of the tournament would actually suit PSG better. I think they, you know, they would. I mean, depending on where it was played, uh, you know, I think it would probably pro- it would produce the right amount of pressure for them to know that they had to get the the, the performance and the result right just there. You know, that one time without uh, you know sort of any mishap in the first leg, uh, like we saw in Dortmund. Uh, you know, so I, I am very curious to see what UEFA decide. Uh, and I think they will try to to finish up the the tournament. I think at the moment it's the you know it's the Euro that really is at uh, is is a threat. Uh, but like I said, I'm not really sure uh, you know how sort of how invested a lot of the the teams remaining in the, the this Champions League are going to be in it, considering everything that's uh, that's already happened. Particularly when you look at uh, France's other representatives, Lyon coming up against Juventus. Uh, you know, it really kind of feels like it's uh, it, it's kind of been a bit uh, a bit solid for, for for that tie because of everything that's going on, particularly in Italy. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that that tie can even be salvaged at this point because it's like a couple players for Juventus, I believe, have been infected with the coronavirus. So that that's going to be an interesting tie. Um, if I could have an idea, I I'm pretty sure that I think South America, Brazil has not been infected as much just because of the temperature there. And we know how many Brazilians are on PSG. So if, if, if uh, UEFA is looking for a place to host these matches, move it to uh, Brazil where they have the stadiums from the world cup, um, from a few years ago, I think that would be a fantastic home field advantage for PSG. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, potential scenarios I think that will be looked at uh, if and when, you know, football starts uh, starts returning. The big question is when, uh, you know, a lot of these, these leagues are going to be able to get back underway because it's very difficult to see, uh, you know, a league like Italy uh, getting back underway anytime soon with the, the situation as it is in the country. I'll throw a little curveball at you. I didn't uh, send this topic to you, but I'm just curious off the top of your head, other than maybe the world wars, I mean, have we seen something like this before in your memory that you can think of? Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I remember a, a bunch of different viruses. I mean, I remember the bird flu time and being, being British as well. I remember uh, mad cow disease or E. coli, uh, as it was called. Um, but I've, I've never known anything like this where, you know, it gets so bad that it shuts down, uh, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, stuff like football leagues and, and competitions. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. unprecedented stuff, and it'll be interesting to see how they figure this all out. It, it would be a real shame if PSG didn't get to, to compete in this tournament, because I think they've got a real chance, especially now with Liverpool losing. While we're taking a quick water break, we wanted to share a great podcast with you from the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Will and Dave from the Read Option Podcast. Your go-to source for Pac-12 football. No matter your team in the conference, we're going to cover them. Find us and other great podcasts on BigHeadsMedia.com or anywhere you can find great podcasts. Um, back to the match, though. I, I'm just curious, who was your man of the match? Who do you think was the best performer? Neymar got a diving header, which we don't see very often, and uh, that goal essentially was the game winner. Um, Presno Kimpembe I thought was fantastic. Adrisa Gay, um, who had just an atrocious performance in the first leg, came out, and, I mean, he just got... He was tackling left and right, winning the ball. I mean, he just looked 
like a completely different player. So I'm curious who you thought uh, was PSG's best performer on the night. I think there were a number of good performers. You know, I think Paredes stepped into the team and did uh, something in the field. Uh, you know, I agree with you. I think Gay, uh, you know, is much improved. Uh, I know I'm a bit biased because uh, he's a player you know, I've grown to like since he joined PSG, but I thought Juan Bernat was, was very good as well and, and took his goal very well. Uh, you know, so it's very, it's hard to pick out, you know, one standout performer. But yes, uh, you know, Kimpembe did did uh, did catch my eye. So if I was going to, you know, perhaps go go with anyone uh, off of the off of the top of my head, I'd probably say, you know, Kimpembe. If 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 he's not at the top of the list, is is definitely up there. It's very convincing from somebody who has not put in as convincing a performance uh, as that in a long time. So. You know, much more of that, please, uh, in the future whenever PSG get back into action. Yeah. What was your initial thought when you saw the starting lineup and you saw Marquinhos back on defense and and, and Leandro Paredes? He he had been playing decent, um, but there were a lot of question marks there. I, I was a little bit worried about that. I'm a big Kawasi fan. I wanted him to play against Leon, um, but he didn't get a chance. He did come in in this match later on, but just what were your initial thoughts when you saw the starting lineup? Were you optimistic about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I always thought that PSG would would still go through despite the first leg result. Uh, I I was surprised a little bit about the the starting eleven. Not too surprised though, uh, you know, given the fact that we knew uh, Tuchel had to somehow uh, replace Verratti and uh, and Meunier. Yeah, sure, I, it was disappointing for me as well to not see Caressi. I, I was hoping to see more of him in the in the match. You know, who knows? Perhaps we'll see more of him between now and the end of the season if the season does get back underway. Uh, you know, but I think at the end of the day, Tuchel got the the system and the the player selection right. Uh, you know, and it obtained the, the the right result. There were a couple of decisions during the match I didn't quite understand. I didn't see the need to throw Mbappe in, especially when you bear in mind Mbappe then, uh, you know, picked up a booking later on. Uh, but over, you know, overall, not too many uh, not too many complaints. Uh, you didn't question the Cavani over Icardi. Cavani had been getting more minutes leading up to the match, but everything that we saw throughout the season would lead you to believe that Icardi was the preferred striker. And it just seems like recently, the past couple weeks, that has that narrative's kind of switched. Do you have any sense of why that is? I know Icardi kind of not scoring as many goals, but he's still he's younger. I think he's a better goal scorer. Do you know what's going on there? I mean, it just seems like uh, you know Tuchel has, uh, has has seen something in Cavani's motivation in recent weeks that that puts him slightly ahead of Icardi. You know, perhaps he's seen a bit of a, a lack of motivation from Icardi as well. I mean, you know, we we all know that strikers thrive on uh, on scoring goals, and there haven't been too many of those since the start of uh, since the start of the year for Icardi. Uh, but uh, you know, you're right; he is still uh, you know a real predator in front of goal. Uh, and it's uh, you know it's a shame that his his goal scoring form from the beginning of the season and his time with PSG have, have dried up a bit. Uh, and I'm I'm curious to know if the, if you know the football does get back underway for the rest of this season, uh, you know exactly how that <clears throat> that situation plays out. I mean, it's not ideal now to go on an indefinite break for some of these players who are still trying to get back to full fitness, like Cavani, uh, you know, who sort of in the process of making his way back into the starting 11 or trying to, uh, you know, and it's not ideal for Ricardi either having spent so much time on the bench recently, uh, you know, now facing a, a you know, a, another long spell without, uh, without playing. What did you make of Neymar's reaction after the final whistle? I mean, this is a man who was in tears. 
mean, he was wiping tears away from his face. He was just clenching his fists, screaming in joy. I mean, this win meant a lot to him. Do you think that will play a role going into the summer where obviously transfer speculation with him is always ongoing, but this win seemed to really mean something to him, perhaps more than any other win? Yeah, I mean, I think he was probably fed up with a lot of the stuff that had been said about him, about PSG, uh, you know, in the build-up to the game. Uh, you know, it felt like a lot of the PSG players were really worked up and, uh, you know, and it, it felt like a massive relief to finally get that monkey off their back. Uh, you know, so it was it was good to see Neymar, uh, you know, that invested, you know, that really believing in something and feeling like for the first time in a long time, you know, that this that this squad has, has really achieved something. You know, we expect a lot of domestic success from PSG. You know, it's almost uh, expected to win the young and be fighting for both domestic cups every season. Uh, you know, so you don't always get that sense, uh, you know, that emotional charge uh, domestically. You know, so you could see, you know, in the reaction of players like Neymar that, you know, this really felt like uh, like some progress. You know, it's almost like the the scenes that we saw last season when PSG won away at Manchester United, you know, up against it because there were, uh, you know, fitness issues, players missing. Uh, you know, it really felt like they'd sort of, you know, beaten adversity once again to you know to make a to take a big step forward for the first time in a couple of years yeah absolutely and then we got to talk about it it's lit up social media it's still ongoing i'm seeing videos but the the kind of mocking of erling halan his goal his zen meditation pose that he did in the first leg neymar did it after he scored and then they did it the team did it together they took a photo the the uh, club's official twitter account posted it they did it back in the dressing room, and then they did it on on the uh, the roof of the Parc des Princes with the fans down below. So this was like a concerted effort um, to make sure the media picked this up. And then after the game, uh, President Kimpembe talked about how, yeah, they saw everything that Dortmund and the players were posting on social media, and, and it kind of had it brought up some rage inside. And they played with that rage. Angel Di Maria during the game was caught on mic calling them, you know, sons of bees and, and saying, let's put six or seven past them. I mean, this was an angry PSG and they're catching some stick from people on Twitter saying, you know, Hey, he's a 19 year old kid and look how triggered and worked up you all are. I'm curious to get your thoughts on number one. Do you think that they should have done that as many times? And, how are they going to channel this for the next match, uh, this anger? Because it seemed to work. So do they just need some kind of like bulletin board material for the next opponent to just get really angry about? Uh, I do think that they did it too many times. I yeah. think it was a bit of overkill. Uh, I felt it was a bit tasteless, to be, to, to be totally honest, in the way that it was done by the whole team. I think... On an individual level, it was a bit more. It was a bit more understandable, you know. Neymar doing it after the after scoring the goal. Okay, it's a bit risky at that point in the match when you're not guaranteed to to go through, uh, you know. But it, at the end of the day, it worked. So I think him doing that and sort of his kind of reaction on Instagram afterwards, uh, you know, to what you know he interpreted and what the the PSG squad interpreted um, as provocation. But I, you know, I think. You know, they did go a bit overboard with all of the, you know, the the whole squad pose, posing, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. I think it's a bit unfair to have targeted only Haaland, mm -hmm. but also at the same time, I mean, I can understand why why that happened, given that everything about Dortmund's communication about the the Champions League after that win was sort of based around Haaland. It wasn't, you know, any of the other members of the team. 
you know, but I do think that there will have been added motivation from other members of the the Dortmund uh, squad and staff. You know what Witzel was saying after the first leg, uh, what Vajka was saying, uh, you know about about PSG and how the sky would fall down on them if uh, if if they went out after the second leg. Uh, you know, Tuchel as well. I think would have would have listened to to what. Um, the sporting director Zork was saying about how him returning to play against Dortmund was not exactly like the return of Jurgen Klopp and I think all of those things uh, you know were probably meshed together and uh, you know PSG you know wanted to to respond and the, the the thing that Dortmund seemed to be sort of holding up and championing after the first leg which is understandable because he was the guy that scored the goals for them uh, you know was Haaland. Yeah, it, I wonder, I don't know if you saw this, I think it was in Le Prigien, but they had an interview with the historian at Dortmund, and he was talking about how Tuchel's not liked at Dortmund at all, and, and, and Tuchel probably doesn't like them either, and that there was, like, he wasn't interested in the history of the club and learning anything about them, he was all about tactics and just playing football, and um, so they don't like each other, and I wonder if it was Tuchel who who uh, photoshopped that picture of Holland and made it go viral to get his team angry and uh, to just get his team to play for him. If so, that was great, great uh, motivational tactics there. But that that win had to feel good for Tuchel. I mean, he going up against his old team, the unceremoniously kind of dismissal there at the end. So you got to feel good for him getting that win. Um, but looking ahead, let's just assume the Champions League does get underway at some point. We know some teams that will that are definitely advanced, and there's others that currently lead. Give me a team that you would like to see PSG face in the next round, if we ever get there. You know, I think a lot of people would look at Atalanta and say that it was the easy draw. I don't think I don't look at Atalanta and think that it would be an easy draw. But I look at them and the way that they're playing, and they're you know they're one of the stories of the season, and I'm I'm very curious to see how they play. So for me, uh, you know, I would. I, I think it would be a great uh, spectacle if uh, you know if PSG were to come up against them. Uh, you know, and they didn't seem to be phased about playing behind closed doors. And you, you'd have to assume that even if fans were allowed back into uh, the stadium, say in France, before the end of the season, I think it's going to be a long time before fans can start going back into the stadiums in Italy. Uh, you know, so you'd have to assume that coming up against Atalanta, you know, perhaps one of those games would at least have to be played behind closed doors. And, you know, if Atalanta can produce a similar performance to the one we saw against Valencia, you know, I think that would be a real challenge for, for PSG to try to overcome. See, I, I think we're destined for number one, probably Barcelona, just with the storyline there, or Juventus going up against Adrian Rabiot. I think those are two storylines I think we'll definitely see. If and when this tournament ever Give kicks me. off again. <laughs> so, well, John, uh, that's all my questions. You, we, we kind of breezed through these here. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I know you got a lot going on on your end. Um, stay safe there in Paris. And uh, whenever the football starts up again, we'd love to have you back on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time. Sounds good, my friend. Thanks a lot for having me on and speak soon. Okay, cheers. <laughs>